Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up at the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today we're sitting down with Gabby Sloan. She's the founder of Ollie. It is a homemade dog food. And then when I went through this experience with my dog, I was like, okay, game over. Like there has to be a better way to feed our dogs. And just like you and I feel better when we eat healthy, like they do too. We learn all about how she got into the dog food space. It was through a random backpacking trip where she met Poncho, her lovely, lovely dog, and found out about all the terrible chemicals in today's dog food and was inspired to make something better for not only her dog, but dogs around the world. Today, we are with Gabby Sloan. She is the co-founder and chief experience officer at Ollie, the natural dog food brand. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we always want to start by learning about your journey. So how did you get here? How did you get interested in natural dog food? Like what was your path to founding your own company? Sure. So I used to be in equestrian. So um, grew up with animals, um, horses and dogs alike. Um, (laughs) And then entered the like decided that I wanted to be in the quote unquote real world. Um, So after college, I sort of landed in a startup um, out of Boston. Um, It was an e-commerce company. So were you professionally riding like through college? Yeah, so I, in riding, it's sort of different than other sports. Like professional means you get paid to ride. So I was riding at a professional level and mm-hmm. competing against professionals. Um, but yeah, I rode all through college. I took a year off before college and rode. Uh, I would do classes Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning and then fly out Wednesday evenings for whatever horse show we were going to um, throughout the year. And then oh show my all God, summer. So where did you grow busy. up? I grew up in New York, mm-hmm. um, so not exactly like in right out of the city, um, not exactly horse country, um, but my mom is British, and so every summer we would go uh, to my grandma's house, and she had like this little cute kind of dinky farm next door to her house, um, and we would ride there, mm-hmm. um, and I just sort of like got the bug, and sort of like one thing after another happened that I fell into the right trainer, and I was riding with someone in New Jersey, and then we switched to someone in Connecticut, and then all of a sudden it sort of taking over my life and you know the gymnastics and ice skating whatever other like after school activities we did fell to the wayside and that was sort of it for me so started competing when I was like 10 or 11 pretty seriously and then just um was on the road went to professional children's school for high school so it was on the road like 48 weeks of the year was it hard to balance that and college like did you go to college nearby to do that yeah so I actually ended up going to Columbia Mm -hmm. um, because I sort of felt like I grew up in New York but didn't actually ever live in New York um so just sort of keeping things a little bit easier by staying at home turf and my trainer was close by um and easy place to fly in and out of Mm -hmm. um but yeah like college for me was kind of like a like a task or a job as opposed to like a full immersion experience like Mm -hmm. it is for a lot of people um I definitely did that in business school where I did the whole like party travel um and you went back to Columbia for business I did I did I was a two-timer yeah (laughs) um but yeah so college was like very much like just something I had to get out of the way in order to ride Mm -hmm. um so yeah so so anyways so I was riding um and then entered like you know moved to Boston with my husband uh fiance at the time I guess um and sort of fell into a startup there called Karma Loop it was like the first sort of when streetwear was becoming cool I feel like I've heard of it yeah it's not really around that much but Mm -hmm. it was like the first like online destination like and they 
did content marketing before like content marketing was a thing like the buyers would do like weekly videos and um like it was like it's this whole community Mm -hmm. that people were really really into and what were you doing for them so I started there just in their sort of buying merchandising team and then they wanted to launch um an off-price site because they saw the sort of the success of guilts Mm -hmm. of the world um and so they asked like we're putting together a team um and so asked me if I wanted to join that so me and like a business development manager and like two other people um decided helped launch it and within a year like it had just like blown up and it was like the best and worst first startup experience I've had (laughs) it was like this is fun like I want to do this again and sort of fit my personality of like creation and like goals and that sort of fast pace and the competitiveness of riding that Mm -hmm. I sort of like loved that adrenaline rush um so that's sort of like how I got into my first startup and then worked there for a while. And then my husband uh, got relocated back to New York with his job. I came to New York and like we tried to do it where I could still work for them. But remote was very hard to start mm-hmm. up. Um, so then I joined Vaughn Privé with their joint venture with Amex um, when they were launching their off price site. This is now like three years later. And when and I- what was that? Vaughn Privé was the original flash sale site. So oh. when Gilt Group launched and like Rule Law and Hot Look, they would all they all said like we're taking the model that's been so successful in Europe and bringing it to the U.S. Oh, okay. And then Vaughn Privé decided, hey, let's do a joint venture with American Express and we can do it too. But mm-hmm. you know, it was sort of like it shows that you know idea is a lot um, when it comes to startups. Execution is a lot, but timing also really matters. Yes. Um, so for them, you know, this is a time where people, you know, 2008, everyone has inventory overload and guilt is like saving them and all those are saving them from the excess inventory they have. Now we're at a place where they're realizing, Hey, it might not be so great for our brand to have that much exposure to Mm -hmm. off price. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we were kind of. An, it was kind of an uphill battle, but because of the Amex relationship, like, and the customers, um, brands really wanted to try and figure out a way to make it work with us. Um, but, you know, long story short, I sort of saw the writing on the wall, realized that it wasn't going to make it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, it was like, hey, like, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, but I, you know, I've liked being at startups, but want to do sort of my own thing where I have, like, my own vision and can control my destiny. Um, but I feel like there was a lot of like learning off the seat of my pants, having grown up in startups that I felt like I missed some of the like formal trick business training. Um, and so that's when I decided to go to business school. Got it. Yep. So I went to business school. I went to Columbia, as you said, back, back to New York and Columbia. Um, and before business school, I started, I took, uh, my own like sabbatical, uh, travel, um, and went around India and then South America and in South America and Columbia, I was hiking, um, and met my now dog, Poncho. Um, (laughs) That's such a perfect name. (laughs) Well, so how it happened was we were hiking and this little dog, like he has these gorgeous yellow eyes and like, he looks like he's like the most perfect permanent eyeliner on like just like looks into your soul at mm-hmm. all times started following me and, and it, he was just a stray dog just a stray dog um like a little skinny but like clearly looked like you know he was savvy he knew he knew how to tag on to people who would give him his next meal yeah. <laughs> um and my husband like looks at me and he's like don't even think about it like he knew like I was just like melting every second mm-hmm. um and this was supposed to be like kind of like not a leisurely hike but like a you know normal touristy hike like nine hours later we're with like this like G.I. Joe tour guide like up at the top of this mountain through like 
over this like river and this dog is following us the entire time like will not leave my side oh my god um and in this town this is like the mountain region columbia where they grow a lot of their coffee and whatnot um every like all the guys are wearing ponchos and my husband's joking the whole time that he was gonna get a poncho i was like okay you can get it and wear it here but like you're not wearing it in new york like it's gonna look ridiculous um so by the end of the day we're like coming finally coming back like we're all exhausted we get into like what was the like taxi which is basically like a pickup truck with like 50 people shoved into the back. Um, and my husband's like, he cannot come with us. And like, I start climbing in and he just like jumps right in. I was like, he's coming with us. Like, this is the oh end. Oh my God. So we go back to the town, like or the city center, I guess. Um, and we're tr- explaining to our tour guide that like, okay, we're going to bring this dog back to America with us. Like, we need a vet. So he brings us to the vet and the vet is like after hours, like we like knock on, it's like his home. It wasn't actually a vet's office. Like, knocks on the door it was like a double dutch door he opens the front like peeks down like closes the door walks away clearly puts on pants because he definitely (laughs) didn't have pants on when he just opened the top comes back brings us in he's like what's his name and we're like poncho and he like looks at us funny and he's like oh like we were saying like p-o-n-c-h-o and he's like no no no," and wrote write down Mm p-a-n-c-h-o because obviously that's uh sorry um the name clearly like a real name not a jacket so yeah. from then on, he became Poncho. Um, anyways, so bring him back and he um, bring him back to the U.S. He, we actually traveled for another like couple weeks in Columbia and he stayed with, him? with, yep, stayed with us the whole time. Um, and then brought him back to the U.S. And when I brought him back, um, and like when we were traveling through Columbia, like honestly, like we didn't really buy him dog food. We just got like chicken breast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he seemed very happy because there wasn't readily dog food available where yeah. we were. Um, and I put him on what I thought was a high-end kibble. And I saw his health decline immediately. He started having, like, allergy reactions, like hot spots and, like, really itchy skin. Um, his digestive system was a little funky. He, like, gained a bunch of weight. Um, my husband Joe says, like, well, that's what happens when you come to America. <laughs> um, but I took him to the vet and was like, there's just, like, something wrong. And I was like, oh, my husband's probably right. Like, I brought back this diseased dog. Like, yeah. what's going on? Um, and so... We did all these tests and like there was nothing actually wrong with him. He wasn't like allergic to anything. No, he wasn't allergic to anything. But, you know, the vets told me, oh, try this, try that. So I went on this like wild goose chase. Well, uh, he was probably used to eating, you know, more like human food since he was traveling like with ex- humans. Exactly. Like, scavenging. Exactly. Them. Exactly. So <laughs> I like tried all these different recipes, all these different brands, all these different proteins. Nothing helped. My friend convinced me to go to this holistic vet who then had me read a book like Food Pets Die For. And I learned all about the pet food industry and was like totally appalled by what I found. Mm-hmm. Um, and what did you find? So I <laughs> don't want to ruin anyone's appetite, but um, generally like the pet food industry is owned by, it's very typical CPG. So owned by like four or five main conglomerates. They own all, like you go into a pet food store, you think you have this sort of like dichotomy of so much choice. And yet at the same time, they're all the same with different packaging. Yeah. Right? Um, and so... Like the ingredients that are going into it, it's called it's feed, not food. I.e., it's not safe for human consumption. Yeah. So like the four D's is like the what they'll talk about, which is dead, dying, deceased, or disabled animals that don't make it into our food supply chain. So think about like a sick animal that dies and therefore like cannot be. But that through, like, can't sl- be good for dogs either. Exactly. So it's not good for dogs. Rancid meat ends ends up in there. Like you name it, it ends up in dog food. Um, it goes through this rendering plant where they sort of like 
put in whole carcasses, like roadkill will end up in there. Like it's gross. Um, and then because of ingredients, yeah. And because it's such low quality ingredients, they then have to like process it to a level that kills all the bacteria. So then you're sort of left. It's like McDonald's chicken nuggets or something. I mean, it's worse, but (laughs) yeah, you're, you're left with like really low quality, not that nutrient dense food, food. Mm-hmm. so then they artificially flavor it so the dogs will eat it add a bunch of synthetic vitamins so that it's like nutritionally sound but then that can lead to toxicity levels like they put in too much vitamin d your dog gets liver failure um and then add a bunch of preservatives so it can sit on a store shelf because yeah. the whole way that they produce is like massive batches that goes and they sit on store shelves for six months at a time and then in your home for another four or five months you don't have to keep going back to the store yeah so sort of an old age industry which like you know not to use cliche term disrupt but like no one had looked re-looked at for like a long time and so the vet was like look when I see these types of issues I generally tell people to like try a home-cooked diet Um, and the like running joke in my family is if seamless went out of business I would starve to death so like (laughs) cooking is not my thing um and my I remember like when I was younger I'd go to like my aunt and uncle's house and they had a dog and they would just like make Chinese food for everyone and just make an extra bowl of like rice with whatever we were eating like for the dog yeah. every night and he never ate um, like dog food. Yeah and and you can do that like and then I, what, the other part I learned is like how like dogs need 22 essential vitamins and minerals that they can't get like from synthesized like you know like if you eat just a plain protein diet you'll automatically turn yeah. things into some the carbohydrates that your body needs mm-hmm. etc like they need a big variety so it wasn't just like okay like let me put some rice and meat together mm-hmm. like when he gave me the list of like what I would have to put in, like organ meat or like all these vitamins, like there's no way this is happening. Yeah. Um, so then I started looking and like I found a few like sort of small brands at like a local pet store um, that were refrigerated or freeze dried and like they were really expensive and going back to the store all the time. Like I also get everything in my life through the mail. Yeah. Um, so that was like not going to happen either. Um, and so sort of the light bulb moment went off and I was actually an entrepreneur after business school. I was an entrepreneur in residence at a venture fund and we had been looking at a bunch of like Amazon subscribe and save categories because it's like, okay, there's margin. We like the replenishment aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so dog food was one of the categories. Like we also looked, looked at like hair care and um, personal hygiene, other things like that of like what's in the subscribe and save that we could change. Um, and then when I went through this experience with my dog, I was like, okay, game over. Like there has to be a better way to feed our dogs. And just like you and I feel better when we eat healthy, like they do too. And mm-hmm. like the thing that's crazy is like vet bills and um, obesity is on the rise. It's 54% of dogs in the U.S. are obese. obese. Yeah, diabetes and cancer is on the rise. And people, like, dogs have an unprecedented place in people's homes now, right? Yeah. Like, they used to be for the kids. Now they are the kids. Yes. <laughs> um, and yet the, the best gift we can give them is a gift of health and no better way to give them health than by what we're feeding them. So mm-hmm. sort of was like this is game over for me. Nothing else mattered. Blinders on, like, wanted to create a dog food company. So from idea to actual like creation what were the processes that you went through to you know make this dog food that would be nutritious and they would want to eat and that could be like affordable as well yeah so um you know I think it was like spring-ish then the idea started and we officially started working on it like uh October of that next year or that year um so a lot of it was like 
what makes a good dog food, like how much protein do you need, um, how much variety of vegetables do you need. Did your co-founder have a background in? No, so none of us had a background in it. Since then, I've been working on getting my, um, like, canine nutrition certificate. So it's sort of like being a nutritionist for dogs. dogs. (laughs) Um, But so I spoke to a ton of vets, a ton of specialists. Um, I flew out to Wisconsin and met with a formulator who worked for like one of the big conglomerates I won't name any names mm-hmm. um and I like another light bulb moment went off when he told me that like well you just need to tell me what you want to do because I can make a balanced diet out of like used shoe leather and I was like whoa 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 this guy does not get what we're trying to do like back to the drawing board here um and realized that everything we would have to do would be approaching it like through a different lens because I think like the benefit of not being from the industry was that you're not you're not biased by what you know Mm -hmm. so we like a big difficulty part was like I don't want to make it in a dog food plan I don't want to make it with like dog food like ingredients I want to make it with human ingredients that are made and like specifically tailored for dogs so a combination of like vet consultants um, formulators who understood what we were trying to do um, and then finding kitchens that were human grade kitchens so we're run like the difference between human grade and non-human grade in the kitchen is the types of ingredients they allow in so like there isn't salmonella is not allowed in the plant so then you don't have to worry about yeah. salmonella um, whereas in a dog food plant it is oh, wow. um and they have different sort of like cleanliness habits around how much they have to sanitize and different checks. So that was definitely hard to get a, a human food company to agree to make dog food. But I'm like, look, this is our ingredient list. This is our sourcing. Like, mm-hmm. it's 100% safe. But there's still like that stigma of like, wait, you're making dog food here. Yeah. And like, what are my other clients going to think? So can humans eat all these things? It's 100% safe for humans to eat. It is not seasoned for humans. To okay. Eat. <laughs> so you definitely would want to, uh, you might not like the taste of it, but it is safe for humans to eat. Awesome. Um, and so you should feel like, and it looks like real food. Like it looks yeah. like a, like a taco mix is sort of how I like to explain it. Um, where you can like see the peas, you can see the carrots, you can see the ground meat. And like when you look at kibble and it's like these like brown balls, it's sort of like looking at cereal and you're like, what's, yeah. what's in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and everything that I eat is like recognizable and like, you know, natural why shouldn't my dog be eating the same so that was the journey and so now like how how does the process work like if someone wants to order the food does it get delivered like every week or do you have to like refrigerate it or yes that's a great question so part of like the journey too was like not just like what is the product but like what is the experience Mm -hmm. so I'm like a firm believer if you're going to go direct to consumer, it's more than just like bypassing the middleman, that sort of like 1.0 direct to consumer. For me, it's about like if I know you and I know your dog, I should be personalizing it for you. So mm-hmm. um, we bring we have a whole onboarding series where we ask questions about your dog, age, weight, breed, activity level that helps us determine like what is the best formula and how much does your dog need to How eat. many different formulas are there? So you have four formulas right now and then four different treat lines as well. Um, but then we personalize exact caloric value that your dog needs. So if I have an obese dog, are we putting him on a low cal? Yeah, you're going to put him on one of the lower calorie <laughs> ones. And then we're going to get the exact portions to get him down to the weight that he needs to be. Studies show that if you keep your dog at an ideal weight versus overweight, you can add 20% to their life. I'm sure. Which is significant. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big believer in like like pleasantly plump and like cute roly polies doesn't fly (laughs) (laughs) but they're so cute i know i know um yes you go onto our website myla.com you fill out the information we recommend 
um, portions and and then we based on sort of the size of the dog determines your shipping cadence mm-hmm. so we can only send so much and you can only fit so much in your freezer at once because you have to freeze it and then defrost it for yeah each. so it can live in the fridge for a week but it's easier to for both customers and us to receive like more than a week's worth at mm-hmm. a time so you don't have to like always unboxing it um, so we'll send like anywhere from one week for like really big dogs up to eight weeks for smaller dogs mm-hmm. um, enough food and then you put it in your freezer and then you can sort of like rotate it into your fridge just defrost and then it's like super easy open and it comes a little cute little pup tainer so when it's open your dog has its own little space in its fridge um, keeps it neat and tidy and then your own scooper and um, just feed it daily awesome and what is like the pricing like compared to like the regular kibble yeah so it sort of depends what you're comparing it against um so look you can't buy whole food quality food exactly for mcdonald's pricing exactly um so um it's definitely a premium too so if you're feeding your dog exclusively wet food which people have this like misnomer that wet food is better for their dog than Mm -hmm. dry i've heard that before it's higher fat and it's higher moisture but otherwise it's the same stuff um just like wet roadkill exactly so (laughs) if you're feeding your dog wet food we're pretty much on par with pricing actually okay um, if you're feeding your dog a kibble, we can be like 30 to 40% more expensive depending mm-hmm. on um, which kibble you're feeding him. But if you're feeding like a freeze-dried or a raw, we're actually a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the price value, obviously, because like with any retail, you have the retail markup. So if you're paying $5 a pound for your dog food, like it's really only a dollar or $1.50 worth of quality Quality, of totally. Um, so and we are, whatever vet bills come with health issues. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we have to be able to like... We're starting to do sort of long, long-term long studies, but um, those kinds of claims are, are ruled by the FDA, so we haven't put them out there yet. But, um, like, percentage of reduction in vet bills that you can have by feeding your dog. Because I feel like just the pet industry in general is just exploding right now. There yeah. are just so many different types of startups, whether it's, like, pet insurance or... because pets people are obsessed with their pets they're like their children of course they want them to be like healthy and like taken care of and if we're eating at whole foods like why would we feed them roadkill right exactly exactly and like as i said before they're part of the family so we should treat them that way so did poncho's um health get better once he started eating yes he is at a a perfect ideal weight (laughs) his coat is nice and shiny we call him our chief eating officer Um, he's not the best taste tester, I will say, because like we've put down like four bowls of like different recipe iterations, and he definitely will show a preference at the beginning, but he'll end up eating, eating it all. all. <laughs> yeah. I good. hear people who are like, "My dog's really picky," and I'm like, "I do not know, understand what that's like." My yeah. dog is like, will eat anything at any time, um, and is like unstoppable. But he looks great um, and definitely thriving on Ollie. Oh my God, that's awesome. So where do you see like Ollie in the next like five, 10 years? Like what is the goal? I know you guys have been like three years old and have completely exploded. So what's your vision for the future? Yeah, so I mean- Or the industry in general. Yeah, I think for us like, we like our mission is to, to dramatically improve the health of dogs um, in America, um, and we're like you know scratching the surface with that. Mm-hmm. Um, while we've had like great success and grown quickly, um, definitely want to help 
continue to see that acceleration of growth. Um, today, when I tell people like that I started a dog food company, they still say, oh, is it like kibble or canned? And I want people to understand that there's like a new category that we've mm-hmm. created, which is like this fresh food. Um, so I think our, our goal is to have that be accessible to all. So whether that's through online, whether that's through physical experiences, um, to make it sort of much more widely known and acceptable as like a real alternative to how people are feeding their dogs. And would you ever like expand into different categories or animals? Yeah, potentially. I think like dogs are our focus just because they are like a really big part of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same thing is true of cat food and yeah. other types of food. So um, it's definitely on like whenever we have our 10 year strategy sessions, things that we think about is. Of course. <laughs> Is what what other animals would yeah. we serve and make the food for? Yeah, um, cats would probably be the closest. Extension, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's awesome. not in the immediate yeah. plans. Cool. So we always ask our guests, "What is your spark? Like, what is that motivation inside of you that sparks like your hustle to keep going and creating and you know inventing things?" Yeah. Um, so I think my spark in general, like I like, I'm. Definitely goal driven. I think like my equestrian background, um, like the the act of competition, um, the next thing. Um, so I'm definitely like on that constant treadmill of like what's the what's the next mountain to climb. Um, so that definitely keeps me going. Um, but also like doing good and like doing something I feel really good about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like at Ollie, what's kept me going is like we get love letters from mm-hmm. our pet parents. You know, their dog who wouldn't eat or keep anything down is finally at a healthy weight because your dog can tolerate this food. Because, again, like all the processed food can actually like be really bad for the digest- yeah. digestive system um, or just like how how proud they feel feeding their dog the food every day. Um, so that like definitely keeps it going because, you know, anyone who's a startup knows like there are definitely highs and definitely lows. Yeah. Um, so on the low days, like seeing those letters come through from our customers that are completely unprompted is like is awesome and definitely keeps keeps everyone um, like the why we're doing this. I feel the same way. Like when we get like, oh, she said yes, or like it was an amazing proposal. Like I'm like, okay, all this like shitty stuff, it was worth it. You know? Do you guys get like a people asking how to propose in addition to like what ring to buy? We do, and I'm like, <laughs> I should like start like a consultation on this. I was like, I've never proposed to anyone, event but like planning proposal event planning. But like, if it were me, I would want this. <laughs> Um, so we always gift our guests a spark ring. Thank you. Which is just a daily reminder of, you know, your, that hustle and motivation to keep going. If it's not your size, we can (laughs) send you one in the proper size. Um, I appreciate it. It's beautiful. Thank you. And we love like pieces of jewelry that have like a little extra meaning to it. And I think a lot of people have those sentimental pieces that, May not even be like the most extravagant thing, but is near and dear to their heart. Um, did you bring something special? I did. So I wear it every day. I don't take it off. Yeah. So it's easy to, <laughs> easy to show. Um, so this charm bracelet. It's so pretty. Thank you. Um, so my mom gave it to me when I was like, I think around like, it wasn't on my 18th birthday, but it was sort of like, like around, around being 18. Um, and it used to be hers. Um, and I don't know, I feel like she felt like it was like a coming of age bracelet. I'm not exactly sure why. <laughs> um, but and it has like star charms and pearls. Yeah, stars and charms and, and um, hearts. hearts. Yeah. 
Um, and I think there was like a, a one or two moons that have since fallen. Off, unfortunately, <laughs> I think I have them. I just need to get them back, put back on. Um, but I just love it that like I'm. I love like sort of multi generational things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that it's something that like she handed down to me. And now my, my daughter loves like when we're relaxing or like when she's getting ready for bed, she like twirls it around my wrist or like we'll play with it and like look at like sort of feel it between her fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that one day I'll give it to her as oh. well. So just feels good wearing it and feels good having that special piece. I know we asked ahead of time, like what type of jewelry would you want to see? Cause we like to like bring some out and like play with it. And you mentioned you liked Asher cuts and maybe cushion. Cuts. Yes. Just like a fun seven carat Asher with tapered baguettes. Cause I know you mentioned maybe like wanting to explore tapered baguettes. It's beautiful. And it's my perfect size. size. Oh my fits. God. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And for the gifts. I love it. Oh, well. <laughs> Fits you perfectly. I know. It's my style and everything. Yeah, we were talking about baguettes. I was like, perfect. I brought the right thing. Um, awesome. So tell everyone, where can they find Ollie, follow you, see any updates? Like, where can everyone find you? Sure. So best way, myolly.com and we're myolly on Instagram. And it's O-L-L-I-E, right? O-L-L-I-E. Yeah. It's the best way to see everything new and happening. Awesome. And for all of you that want to see the beautiful jewelry we were looking at, follow us on YouTube at The Clear Cut and, of course, on Instagram at The Clear Cut. That was so awesome. I loved learning all about Gabby's story. It is so cool that she saw a problem and realized that no one was addressing this and it was such a huge issue. And she took this idea and built a huge company and is now helping furry friends around the world. Um, That just goes to show you, if you have an idea, go for it, test it out, see what's the worst that can happen because you may be making the world a better place.